reading is Psalm 145, verses 1 to 13 and 21, and it can be found on page 631 if you have pew Bibles. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, uh, Gwenda, for reading for us. Um, thank you all for being here. Look forward to joining with you and opening up the scriptures this morning. So today we are um, sort of deviating slightly from our series, Standing Firm When the World or Our World is Shaken. Uh, because we're going to be thinking about the heart of worship. Um, but consider this as a, a bonus episode because a worshipping heart will be absolutely vital uh, if we are to flourish when the world and our world is shaking. So we're going to be looking at the heart of worship. And why do we worship God? Why do we praise God? It's been said of Muhammad Ali, the greatest boxer of all time, that he hired somebody just to follow him around all day and tell him that he was the greatest. Is that what God is like? Does he need uh, affirmation and recognition from us? Is he some megalomaniac with an inflated ego who needs to be constantly praised and worshipped? We might remember former President Donald Trump, his first cabinet meeting, uh, where he was going around the room uh, in an excruciating bit of footage. He, he invited or required, actually, each member of his new team that they should say something complimentary and extraordinary about him. Is God like Donald Trump, a sociopath with an inflated ego, without an orange tan, hopefully? No. Though Stephen Fry says this, God is quite clearly a, a maniac, an utter maniac, 
totally selfish. We have to spend our life on our knees thanking him. What kind of God would do that? You know, it's interesting, God kind of agrees with um, Stephen Fry. He says this in Psalm 50, I am God, your God. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. He's talking, of course, about sacrifices and those who offer begrudging sacrifices. I have no need of a bull from your stall, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. See, God agrees with Stephen Fry. I don't need your begrudging sacrifices, he says. But Hebrews 13 says this, we offer, we offer a sacrifice of praise, but it comes from the fruit of our lips. You see, for those of us who love him, asking us to refrain from worship is like asking a football crowd to stop chanting and singing songs on the football terraces. Um, if you go to Times Square Church in New York, at least back in the day this was true, that's the church that was established by David Wilkerson of uh, the Cross and the Switchblade fame. For years, worship at that church used to open with these two songs. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Song number two, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and I will enter his courts with praise. And when you got there, you better be ready to sing God's praises because you are in for about half an hour of wild, foot-tapping, rocking gospel worship. And then, and only then, did the fully robed choir come out. You've heard of swinging from the chandelier's worship. Well, at Times Square, they actually occupy an old Broadway, a traditional Broadway theater with velvet drapes and all the rest. And yes, they do literally have crystal chandeliers to swing from. Try telling the congregation of Times Square Church that God has no need of their praises, or God is a megalomaniac who demands our worship. You see, we praise because it's instinctive within us to praise. It may not be God that we worship. It might be a football team or it might be a lover but we are wired to praise and to worship. C.S. Lewis says this, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but incompletes the enjoyment. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. So let's get into this. I just want to begin by talking about praise and worship. Most of us use the words interchangeably, and I've heard some people make the distinction between uh, praise songs and worship songs. They say uh, praise songs refers to a different musical style. It's a praise songs are louder and up-tempo with guitar and drums. And worship songs are quieter and softer and slower with the piano and the flute. Some say that praise and worship are the same but worship is when we adopt an attitude of reverence. When you see somebody like this, it means they're worshiping. Of course, it might just be indigestion. 
praise, says the Bible dictionary, is an expression of admiration or appreciation. In the Greek, enio, to speak in praise of. Humio, to sing in praise of. In the Old Testament, halal, to celebrate, to sing, to boast. Praise is something that is expressed. Spoken, sung, shouted, vocalized. Worship is that attitude and those corporate and personal acts that are in response to God. So in the Greek, it's proskunio, to make obeisance, to do reverence. Literally, proskunio, pros meaning towards, kunio meaning to kiss, to move in for the kiss, as every teenage boy knows. It is a feeling of awe or devotion. So worship is an attitude. It is something felt. And it may or may not be vocalized. But praise must be spoken, sung, or expressed. It's objective truth. It can be done with or without feeling. King Charles, your kingdom is, a mag is magnificent. It extends from Land's End to John O'Groats. That is objective truth expressed. King Charles, I admire what you have done for organic farming. That's subjective, I admire. But worship has to come with attitude, with feeling. King Charles, I love you for transforming organic farming. Subjective and heartfelt and expressed. King Charles, suspend belief for a moment, King Charles, I swoon every time I see him. <laughs> Subjective and heartfelt, but not expressed. Okay. So here, in these songs that they sing at Times Square, from Psalm 100, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart, worship. I will enter his courts with praise, praise. So today, despite the title of the sermon, I'm mainly going to talk a lot about praise. You see, because praise is a really powerful tool. The spoken praise of God is a powerful tool. Pick up any book on praise and it will tell you that praise for God has power. It can transform situations. It has def power to defeat the enemy. We sing that song, don't we? My weapon is a melody. My weapon is a song. Our praise, our singing, is a ballistic missile against the enemy. But today, I want to talk about how praise leads to heart, a heart of worship, or to put it another way, the worship of the heart. Because as we face difficulties and as our world is shaken, it will be time spent with God that will transform us and strengthen us, empower us. Isaiah 40 says this, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Time in God's presence renews us, strengthens us, gives us stamina. Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Time spent in God's presence guides and cheers us. So how do we get there? How do we enter his presence? Let's go back to that line from Psalm 100 again. 
I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You see, what they're referring to in this psalm is the tabernacle in the wilderness. When God asks Moses to build a sanctuary for him, a place where I can dwell, says God. And the sanctuary, the tabernacle, was divided into three parts. There was the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies, where God dwelled. However, there was only one gate and one entrance into the outer court. If you wanted to approach God, you had to go through the gate into the courts and finally into the holy of holies. I will enter his gates. I will enter his courts. And unless you were a priest, that's as far as you got. But today, there is no tabernacle or temple. And in fact, the curtain, we are told, has been torn, uh, that covered the Holy of Holies, been torn open. So we now have access to the Father through the Spirit. So how do we enter the presence of God now? Ephesians 5.18 says this, Be filled with the Spirit, singing, or as you sing to one another, psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. You see, we experience the presence of God, the indwelling of the Spirit, through our heartfelt worship. But how do you do that if your heart is cold. You know, some people are just born with a sunny disposition. They wake up in the morning feeling cheery and full of joy. Frankly, I have no time for them. In fact, actually, the Bible, you know, warns us about such people. It says in Proverbs 27, do not sing to your neighbor early in the morning or they will despise you. Anyway, I'm not like that. You'd be pleased to hear, I'm just miserable in the morning until that is, I've spent time with God. You see, very few of us wake up in the morning singing and making melody to the Lord in our hearts. So we need to start. We need to start where we are, and we start with praise. Praise that is objective. It may be even done without feeling, but if it is sincere, through praise we encounter God, Praise changes us, our hearts are warmed, thoughts and desires are released. The Bible tells us that God inhabits our praises. We enthrone God within ourselves. In short, praise leads to heartfelt worship. Uh, likewise, we don't all of us, many of us, come to church already fired up. We come, you know, having just managed to get the kids dressed and into the car, or maybe we've had a late night uh, the night before, or you just managed to drag yourself along. Maybe we were working on our sermon early in the morning. <laughs> and worship leaders know this. A good worship leader knows that very few congregations are like Times Square. A good worship leader like uh, Beth Croft, and I, by the way, I recommend you come along to our 11 o'clock services. Beth is fantastic. They, somebody like Beth knows how to lead us on this journey from praise to worship. They begin with songs that express objective truth about God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Then they'll make the songs more subjective. Thank you, Jesus, for your love to me. And finally, hopefully when our hearts are warmed, songs of pure love and devotion 
I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. You know, it was many years ago when I worked in the city on Sundays. Um, I used to lead worship at our local church, City Temple. And one Sunday, uh, I could sense there was a real heaviness hanging over the congregation. And as I stood up there with my guitar, I looked out of the congregation and they looked like they'd assembled for a funeral, not for a worship service. And in a, mo a move that I can only believe was inspired by the Holy Spirit, I put down my guitar and I ran to the uh, box of overheads. Remember those overhead projector acetates? I, I took one out and I abandoned my, I abandoned singing my first song, put the words on the projector. Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee. O great and mighty God, great in counsel and mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. Pure, objective, faith-building truth and praise about God. We sang that song again and again until the truth got into people's hearts. The heaviness lifted, and afterwards, I think we had one of the most precious times of worship that I have ever experienced. And so it was in David's day. As we have seen, entering the temple meant going through the gates. And if we follow Psalm 100, the psalmist encourages us to be thankful and full of praise even as we enter into God's presence. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Well, as I've said, that's not everybody's experience. It's not my experience. It's not the psalmist's experience, including David. And for that reason, they had a group of psalms called the Song of Ascents. They sit in our Bible from Psalm 120 through to 134. And these were psalms that were sung as they traveled up to Jerusalem for the great feasts, or they climbed the hill where the tabernacle was, uh, was seated. With these songs, they prepared their hearts for worship. It, they begin with Psalm 120, which starts like this. I call on the Lord in my distress. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. Doesn't that just sound like somebody heading into church after a bad week at the office? But the end with Psalm 134, which begins like this. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. That's quite a journey, isn't it? Quite a transformation. And good to know that even David needed these psalms of ascents. And so do we. I have a few praise songs that I turn to when I need to warm my heart. I just mentioned one of them. Our Lord God. There are others, including those Times Square perennials. And a lot of kids' songs. I, live, I sing a lot of kids' songs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The kids' songs are full of truth. And we all need our own little connection of psalms of ascents. Songs that are full of praise and objective truth. And we need to sing them. Yes, we need to sing them out loud. We need to vocalize them until they begin to warm your heart. 
check in on YouTube or on make yourself a Spotify playlist, but don't just listen along. Sing them. And so finally, if you were wondering, we come to today's psalm, Psalm 145. And this is the final, uh, of the last of David's psalms in the book of Psalms. It's like a final chorus of David's arousing exhortation to praise. But first, a quiz. This well-known hit was recorded by Perry Comer, Camo and the Fontaine sisters, Fontaine sisters, on March the 1st, 1949. I know my audience. <laughs> it reached number one on the US charts, the billboard, just five weeks later on April the 9th, 1949. Here's the quiz. It begins like this. Fill in the, next, the following line. When Johnny Jones was serenading Mary, he sure could quote a lot of poetry, but he'd much rather tell her what he learned in his speller when they both attended PS 33. Da, da, da. Anybody? A, you're adorable. B, you're so beautiful. C, you're a cutie full of charms. And on it goes. <laughs> A, you're adorable, the alphabetic song as it's known. This song is an acrostic song or psalm. And our psalm today is an acrostic psalm. Acrostic psalm is a psalm which, with, which the verses begin with the successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. You see, David pours out all his genius as a lyricist into this final psalm. And what does he tell us? He tells us that praise needs to be universal from A to Z. It needs to be throughout all time, all places, all people, all generations. He tells us who should praise. He says in verse 21, myself with my own mouth, all people, let all flesh bless his holy name. Verse 10, all creation, all your works shall bless you. All believers and all your saints shall bless you. All generations. One generation commends your works to another. He tells us when we should praise. At all times, throughout all times. Every day I will praise you. I will praise your name forever and ever. He tells us how we should praise. I will exalt you, raise you up. I will extol you, boast about you. I will commend you. One generation commends the works to another. I will bless you. I will speak out of your glory. I will tell of your power. My mouth will speak. I will sing aloud. All expressions of vocalizing praise to God. In what circumstances should we pray? Philippians tells us that we rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it. Rejoice. You know, it's believed that Math and Beth Redman wrote the song, Blessed be your name uh, from a place of real pain after having experienced a series of miscarriages in their marriage. Blessed be your name in the land that's plentiful and where the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place and though I walk through the wilderness. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be your name. 
Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. And the psalm reminds us what is the object of our praise. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the A to Z. He is the whole song. You know, last week we were learning about forgiveness, forgiveness being an act of the will. If you wait till you feel it before you grant it, you will never grant it. Likewise with worship. If you wait till you feel it before you do it, you will never do it. It is the, an act of the will. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. And so we have to praise our way into a heart of worship and into the presence of God. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, that you don't expect us to be perfect and full of joy and our hearts full of worship at all times. We thank you, Lord, that you knew, know who we are. We know, you, know who the, you knew who the Israelites were, and you know what we need. We thank you, Lord, for the great gift of praise that we might warm our own hearts and enter into your presence in heartfelt worship. Amen.